The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up, so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their Best Ball Mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN, and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up today you break wheel fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience they specialize in complete wheel repair repairing wheels from curb rash bends and cracks they also specialize in refinishing from polishing machining and custom colors that will suit your car's needs lastly you break wheel fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications contact them at 305-748-0112 that's 305 305- 7480112 or at you break wheel fix on all social platforms. This show is brought to you by Lewis Peters State Farm, agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the United States for more than 60 years combined experience in the insurance industry. Local agents that understand South Florida's unique market, you have access to them 24/7, walk in, call in, click in through lewispeters.com. You can find them online on social media at SF Agent Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards with Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Chris Kaufman is here. And Simon Clancy's back from assignment. How's it going, Simon? Um, um, I think I want to take a vein, or <laughs> like, I can't really say I want to do a mass shooting. That's not in very good taste, so... <laughs> But that's kind of it sounds, it sounds like you're still on assignment because you're like calling from a latrine out in like the desert somewhere. I'm literally yeah. in the same place I always am. So <laughs> I spilled coffee into my laptop today. And this is my second laptop, my other laptop. So maybe it's that. I don't know. Well, this is a, a vacation week for me and I'll be in the, the Florida Keys, which is very, very hot, which means I will be taking my ball deodorant with me. Because it'll be a, it'll be essential. I heard somebody, somebody snicker out there, but it's the truth. Like I'll be taking that because you know if you don't have ball deodorant in Miami in these days, it's it's unbearable. 
The other day it was actually 101 degrees, Simon. Do you know what that feels like? No. Okay. It feels like the love the the the, the surface of the sun. All right. It's absolutely mm. god awful. All right. Depends on where you are too. Like because I've definitely yeah. felt 100 I've definitely felt 101 plus out, you know, out west a little bit, out um like Nevada and uh, Arizona and it's like uh I mean, it's like being in a, it's like being in a convection oven really over there yeah, it's but, like an oven, uh, yes yeah it was Here's 40 degrees pan. it was 40 degrees when i was in rio and didn't feel as hot as it did when chris and i were in tampa and it wasn't 40 degrees when chris and i were in tampa mm-hmm. so yeah but that was that was the hottest that was the hottest i've ever been in my life <laughs> no it really was it was that was just ridiculous to go outside for 15 minutes out of the press box and stand with your folks and stuff in the stand i was just like just kill me yeah. Well, I'll be in the Florida Keys, and uh, I'll probably be inside of a pool because if you're standing outside, you probably just melt, right? So, but I will be using my ball deodorant from Manscape, and if you want to buy ball deodorant, and you probably need it if you live down here, use the promo code Five RSN, and you get twenty percent off your entire order from Manscape. Didn't some Bills fan say that I had to apologize for for slagging off Josh Allen? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean. I've been kind to Josh Allen and my Chris over the past year. I've said I've picked him up and said he's been fantastic. That's uh, yeah. over the past year. I mean, you used yeah. to call him a glorified tight end. I did, but... I'm absolutely. And I, you know, <laughs> let's be fair, he was pretty shocking in his first year. But some Bills fan, I'm not going to apologise for having an opinion that at the time was right. I mean, I will apologise if, like, they if Kim Pagula comes and shaves my balls using a lawnmower 3.0, <laughs> I'll mm. apologise then while she's doing it. But other than that, you can swing for your apology. That seems a deal, though. I mean, right? I mean, I'd probably do it for Terry Pagula, frankly. <laughs> there you go. Well, as far as uh, shaving your balls, you know, I don't, I don't have a segue for that uh, for this game. But uh, I don't know. Pretty, pretty exciting stuff, huh? I, mean, I guess you could. We'll start with you. Um, pretty. Um, heady stuff there on on saturday they kicked the oh, i said uh on the last podcast i did with with chris chris uh, we asked ourselves okay what do we want to see and i said i want to see them kick the crap out of the out of an inferior atlanta falcon team and that's exactly what we saw your thoughts overall on that game simon yeah fundamentally i don't care about results in preseason i really don't you know i saw a stat today that said baltimore unbeaten in preseason since 2016 but i don't think they won a super bowl in that period so I don't really care I, what I care about is the little things that you're looking for improvements in players you know it, it's the preseason so let's not get carried away but I thought two was excellent you know and the, and the little fundamental things and I think point people to Brian Baldinger's video today because I think it um it highlights everything that we want to talk about really which is you know his footwork the way the ball comes out of his hand the understanding of the offense he looks bigger he looks more physical just looks so much more in control just so impressed with his footwork you know like you said last week Excuse me, he's not Josh Allen. He doesn't have that monster arm. But, you know, the arm is strong enough. The ball placement is upper echelon. Uh, and I think he'll go on to be one of the best, most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, certainly in, in that department. But, you know, you see the big time throws, the, the seam buster to Mike Gesicki, where Gesicki flipped over. That was a great throw. Don't get too carried away. Obviously, it's only preseason. As Albert Greer said today, you know, 15, 18 Atlanta players were sat sat out. A number of defenders sat out. Um, and they're not, they're not game planning for... For Tua, they're not sitting there like the Patriots are going to be game planning for Tua come week one. That it was very different to what the Falcons were doing, but you know, 
the upside was there. That that the the, um, the things that you're looking for, the improvement that you're looking for, is there, and, and all the things that were missing last season. But notably, footwork, the ability to climb the pocket. You know, when that pocket collapsed three or four times, you look at the touchdown to Gasky and the way he climbs the pocket. There's also a throw earlier on that drive where he moves around. I think he hit Mac Hollins. Um, you know, probably his third read and was kind of, he went to throw, stepped up, looked left, looked left, moved to his side and then saw Hollins break open on the right. Um, those are the things that I was really looking for. So overall, I thought the Dolphins did, uh, you know, played really well and there was there was lots to be um, lots to be cheerful of, but keeping it all in perspective because it's game two of the preseason. Yeah. Um, Chris? Yeah, so one thing is that the difference, one of the big differences between what we saw and maybe what we've seen in the past with respect to Tua's uh, being in the pocket and what he could do, climbing the pocket, um, getting through traffic, stuff like that. The big difference really in this game was that the offensive linemen were holding their blocks. Um, you know, even if the pocket was getting a little bit trashy, the, the offensive linemen stayed engaged. They kept their feet moving and they kept working. And that really kept the, the defensive players occupied so that, you know, even though things got trashy in there, listen, the quarterback has a job to do, right? And, and his job to do his job in the NFL at a professional level is not to just, you know, sit in a completely clear pocket and wait until he finally delivers the football. I mean, they, they have a job to do. He got to do his job that way. Dealing with uh, dealing with pressure, dealing with um, with a like a, a dirty pocket because I think the offensive linemen kept working at their blocks and kept um, kept the defensive players occupied. So we're, we're kind of seeing what what he can look like under pressure, him being him, the guy he's always been at Alabama, uh, what he can look like if the offensive linemen, they don't have to listen, they don't have to be good. They don't, you know, they don't have to be, um, you know, some of the Dallas offensive lines or, you know, the legendary offensive lines in the NFL. Um, but but if they if they're able to keep working and keep uh, keep holding their blocks, then then I think that this is what he is. This is what he can be. Um, if you don't, you know, if you're if you're letting people free at him, like uh, like we saw in the one play, the sack that ended up a sack, where uh, Malcolm Brown just couldn't pick up that defensive back blitz uh, off the off the edge, um, and he really just never really had control of the guy to begin with. Uh, then you start to see what happens. Uh, you've got free shots coming at him. It gets a lot. It gets a lot more. Um, you know, it gets a lot more complex to try and uh, to try and step up, to step around, and and make something happen with his arm. Um, what you otherwise saw from him was what you we we've had to have pretty low standards for quarterbacks in this uh, this town for a while. Um, but when you, when you go and watch across the rest of the league and you see some of these other quarter, these established quarterbacks, established quarterbacks that are really good um, play in the preseason, you can tell it's preseason for this. I mean, it's not, it's not very challenging. It doesn't look very challenging for them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, they they're going out there. They're completing. They'll, they'll complete 80% of their passes. They'll complete, you know, even, even 80 plus they'll, it's like um, it's almost like practice a little bit. Um, it doesn't look like a challenge. I think in two games, with the exception of really just the one play, the the throw in the end zone against the Chicago Bears, where he really botched it, he was late and uh, made a bad decision. Um, aside from that, he's actually looked a little bit above this preseason level of action, and that's what you need to see. You need to see if if you even hope to think that you have a, a franchise quarterback. You need to see a guy that looks like, you know, this isn't really, 
this he's above this stuff. Like this is this is playtime for him. Um, and I think that that's kind of what we're we're seeing right now with the accuracy has been, which has been almost off the charts. I think um, you know a couple of balls here and there, but a lot of the balls that are going incomplete are going incomplete for other reasons. You know, not not necessarily because it was a poorly thrown pass. Um, you know, so, so he's really, he's really just operating comfortably. And that's, um, that's a very encouraging sign if we think that he's going to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, so yeah, offensively, I'm just, just kind of a blot and the defense kind of just was what they've been. And, uh, so overall they just kicked the shit out of him, and it was really nice to see. Yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was spectacular, but moving on, on, on the offensive line, they, they caught a lot of flack last week against the, the bears. Everybody was already proclaiming the entire offseason as far as the offensive line failure. But this week was, uh, I would say, really encouraging, especially since Liam Eikenberg got in a lot of snaps at right tackle. And hopefully, you know, not to be not to be this way with Jesse Davis, but maybe it's the beginning of the end. And if Jesse Davis, I said this before in the offseason, Jesse Davis is our sixth offensive lineman, then I think they could proclaim their rebuilding of this offensive line a success, at least for the time being. Uh, your thoughts on the, how, how they played, Simon, this Saturday? I mean, to me, they're still a bottom feeder group in the NFL. I don't think there's any way – for me, I don't think there's any way around it. Um, I, I thought I was I was impressed by Eichenberg, albeit against you know dregs of second team and really guys that are going to be working in insurance and and sales, you know, in a few weeks' time. Um I don't think the Dolphins are based on one half of football going to supplant Jesse Davis. I just don't, um, for, for for a myriad reasons, you know, some based on his play, some based on his experience, some based on his leadership, um, but also based on what Liam Eikenberg has struggled with in, in the offseason. He's been moved around position to position. Um, I didn't think they were, you know, I thought they were fine. Dieter worries me. You know, go back and look at the Miles Gaskin touchdown throw. Dieter gets beaten, all ends up. Um, you know, and one of the biggest concerns for me when the first team was going against the first team is that on the two occasions where Tua did anything other than a three-step drop, he couldn't set his feet and throw. The first time he had Jalen Waddle open deep on a on a post route, couldn't get the pass off because, in part, because Malcolm Brown whiffed with the with the quarter blitz but it wasn't just Malcolm Brown the, the, the pocket completely collapsed and then there was another throw where he took a five-step drop and just got into all sorts of trouble um so I think there are concerns um I I, I uh, there were some bright spots um I did think that Hunter and Eichenberg looked good together um I thought Hunter Long you know I know he's not an offensive lineman but I thought he blocked very well I thought Austin Jackson looked significantly better than he did against Chicago um, but also a couple of the Robert Jones had his moments, uh, and Lionel Coleman had his moments. Uh, Chris actually put up a, a really good video on the um, on the OnlyFins account um, of Lionel Coleman, which was which I hadn't seen, which was you know a, a really strong punch, a really good block, and then coming off that block, really seamlessly using his feet, moving his feet, getting a really good position, and, and steering a rusher away from um, Reed Sinner, I think it was a quarterback. Um, but I, I, let's be realistic about it. it. It's not a very good offensive line. Uh, it needs a lot of work to it. I think Robert Hunt is playing really well. I thought Hunt looked, you know, we talked about this last week. Who's the player that would start on other offensive lines? I think Robert Hunt would. 
now the question is whether or not the others can raise their game to that level. I agree with your point, Alf, about Jesse Davis. I think he'd be an excellent swing, sixth guy, can play four, five positions, realistically. I just wonder whether or not the Dolphins have the, you know, have the moxie, the balls, whatever the word is. Moxie's not the right one. Balls to 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 move out a guy who's been solid and consistent, albeit in a mediocre way, for a number of seasons. So we, we shall see. We shall see. Well, I guess one another way to 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 do this, and and I'll and I'll I'll go to Chris now. But Simon, if it were up to you, if you're in charge tomorrow, they put you in charge. But it's are hard, moving, isn't it? Because but it's hard. Are you moving Eckenberg ha- to right tackle and putting Jesse Davis on the bench? But I haven't seen what they've seen. I've seen two quarters of football where he's played. I haven't seen every day in practice, which is what they've seen and what they're clearly basing their decision off. Yeah, based on what I saw, then my my abiding comment would be I would need to see more. I would need to see him in the mm-hmm. final game against the Bengals against first team. He needs to play three quarters against a first, you know, or as long as possible against a first team offense. We're seeing him against mm-hmm. guys that, you know, for as good as he looked, we're seeing him against guys who are going to be working in, you know, like I said, their estate and realtors and, and things like that. that you know, the guys have had their chance because, you know, they're, they're the, the guys, the 85th men on the roster. And that's, that's kind of the point. I mean, I like Eichenberg a lot, but let's keep try and keep it in context with, you know, with um, with the reality. I think maybe they'll be and, doing Atlanta Falcon podcasts. <laughs> maybe you know, I've watched every single practice, and I said so on 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 Twitter earlier today or or yesterday actually. Uh, Liam Eichenberg at left guard always kind of confused me uh, all throughout camp. He always looked better to me as a right tackle, you know. But, you know, they've been trying him there at left guard until it seems like Solomon Kinley has kind of grabbed the whole hold of that, that position, maybe. I guess we'll see how practice shakes out this week. Chris, What you see is what you get with Kinley, though, isn't it? I mean, he's a big old unit. Yeah. You know, looking down at the goal line. Again, another video Chris posted in Only Fins, a great, great video of them on the goal line um, uh, of Kinley and uh, for, for the first touchdown, actually, for, for Malcolm Brown's first touchdown of Kinley and Austin Jackson. And that's what Kinley is. He's a people mover in the run game. You know, he kicks people's ass in the run game. And, um, you know, but how much can you rely on him? You know, do you want to, you kind of hope he's going to develop into Jamie Nails, but the realistic thing is that it doesn't look like necessarily he's going to be that way. If he's, you know, if he's playing next to a Corey Lindsley or a really good centre, then, you know, that kind of helps raise his game. But he's not. He's playing against Michael Dieter or, or next to Michael Dieter. And that for me is a is a worry because you kind of tend to play down to the surroundings rather than play up to them. Chris, thoughts on the offensive line? Well, I think so. First off, the body language I wonder about with um with respect to the Dolphins moving uh moving Liam Eikenberg over to right tackle and then playing him. I think it was 46 snaps or 47 snaps in the game. Uh all 47. at right tackle. Yeah, 47 snaps, all at right tackle. Um, I wonder if there's some body language to read there with that, uh, especially after, you know, having thrown him in at left guard uh, probably for the first week of camp. It was kind of very loudly, wasn't going all that well. Um, and and so I wonder if – I wonder if this is no, – I'm not saying that he's supplanting Jesse Davis because I ultimately agree with Simon here. There's, there's, there's no conclusion to be drawn here um, yet. But if they might have they might have decided that they put too much on him by uh, by moving him inside where things happen quicker 
and he's going against, you know, beefier players and, you know, viciously strong, brutal kind of guys. And, uh, and maybe they're just saying, well, you were a tackle in college. I know you were on the left side, but maybe we should, you should be a tackle right here, at least in your first season. And they're just going to accept that. Um, so we might be leaning toward, uh, some sort of shared situation as much as none of us really love to hear that. But, um, but you might see some sort of rotation at the right tackle position kind of with the full knowledge that Liam Eikenberg is probably the future at that position, but Jesse Davis is a leader on the team and a the leader of the unit. And, um, and I think that's where it's heading right now. If, uh, if there's anything to be read from their body language uh, and what they did with this game uh, now for the rest of the offensive line, you know, I was, I was watching Michael Dieter um, at center. And one of the things I always, I always thought about him coming out of coming out of college. Even I watched him in all the positions he played. He played in multiple positions and in uh, multiple years in college. And the one that looked the most compelling really was his center work, and that was because of his length. He has unusual length for a center, and I think that that can be a weapon um, in dealing, especially dealing with some of the bigger um, bigger bodies that can go up the middle. And when I watch him play center, I'm actually somewhat impressed this year as opposed to, you know, last year and the years before. He shoots his hands really fast uh, and he uses that length. To his advantage. I mean, if if this is going to be your strength, you better use it to your advantage. And he does use it. You see it on the field. He uses it to his advantage. Um, the one thing, you know, that that play where he gets you know taken taken back into the backfield with um, with the Miles Gaskin uh, passing touchdown or receiving touchdown. I mean, the one thing that you have to, like, at least acknowledge on that play is that he kept working. And because he kept working, Tua absolutely had a chance to do his job, which is to step up and out of the way of that uh, that rush, you know. Mm-hmm. And and so and that's that's really I mean, this line, you're not going to get them to be a really good line. I agree with Simon They're They haven't necessarily I don't think they've necessarily drafted really well. Um I know we've all we've all kind of disagreed with some of their decisions over the uh, across the way, um, but uh, but so if that's not in the offing, they're not going to be an elite offensive line. At least get them to keep working and keep their feet moving and stick with the blocks. And even if you know, even if guys are penetrating the pocket and uh, and getting into his sight you know, give him the best chance that he can to do his job with it by, by keeping your hands engaged, keeping your feet moving. And that's what Dieter did on that play. And that's what I noticed on several plays throughout the game, you know, is that, yeah, there was, there was a guy forcing Tua off his spot. Um, but Tua is accustomed to handling that he's a good quarterback. And as long as you keep working at it, it it's, it's probably ultimately going to be fine. I agree with Simon about Sol- Solomon Kinley his weaknesses in pass pro, it, it, he just always looked like a shorter armed, you know, shorter framed kind of guy to me, like big, thick, obviously very powerful, but when it comes to the arm length and, um, and, and his frame, you know, it's, it's a little bit shorter. And so that sometimes those guys become a little bit harder to trust in pass protection. Um, and then, you know, Austin Jackson, we saw his, we saw his issues last week. He definitely had a much stronger game. Um, there was, there was just an attitude about the entire offensive line this time around that was different, but overall, what's, what's funny is I know on an absolute level, they're not actually better, 
But on a relative basis, like we have a better backup offensive line unit than we have a starting offensive line unit. <laughs> I mean, and that's yeah. that is that's been true in both preseason games. It's been very it's been very clear and very obvious when they stick in that backup unit of Larnell Coleman and uh, Jermaine Illuminor and uh, I'll say his name right this time and um, and you know Matt Skura and then Robert Jones at right guard and then first last week was Adam Pankey who wasn't really that very good but then this week obviously Liam Eichenberg that was a that was a nice a nice uh boon for that that unit i mean that second string offensive line whooped up on the second string you know defense last week the chicago bears and they whooped up on the second string second third string defense of the atlanta falcons um they're a strong backup offensive line unit so we actually surprisingly have depth uh, on the offensive line it's just, do we have starters? We just have to hope yeah. that we have well-coached starters because we're not going to get, you know, well-talented starters. Yeah, I think Solomon Kinley has a, a technique issue. Uh, there was a couple of plays where they called slides. They slide the, they, they slid the the protection one way or the other, and he's he was a bit herky-jerky to the point where he was almost sliding his way out of blocking somebody and into Austin Jackson in one in one instance. So. Yeah, he needs some work this week. I thought he was a little bit herky and herky jerky in his movement when he was asked to do something technical. When he was just asked, you know, just run this guy over or, you know, combine with with Austin Jackson to destroy this three tech, he could do it. And there was one play actually where I believe it was I believe it was him and Austin Jackson just completely uh, yeah, it was on the goal line on a Malcolm Brown touchdown. They absolutely caved in whoever the hell that was lined up. At it was two. It was two defensive um, uh, linemen on that that clip that I posted in OnlyFans. That's yeah. That's the one. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they completely they both, caved them yeah. in into the into the nose tackle, and it was just a pile mm-hmm. of humanity in the middle of the field. And that was just Solomon Kinley and Austin Jackson doing their work. So mm-hmm. I think we could leave that right there, and we could close on the offense by talking about the skill position players and Simon is Miles Gaskin moving into bell cow territory, or is this still going to be largely by committee? Cause that was Gaskin, impressive. Yeah. I think Gaskin's going to be the, 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 the guy. Um, I, I've always thought he's going to be the guy. Uh, Malcolm Brown didn't look like Jordan Howard this week, which was an improvement. Um, just quickly on the offensive line, actually <laughs> Quinn Minots, by the way, <clears throat> Looks phenomenal. I don't know if anybody's seen him. Go back and watch the game that they played against the, the Broncos played against Seattle at the weekend. Goodness me. Don't he's rub it absolute, in. Don't rub it in. He's an absolute Mack truck. I mean, what a machine. I also have some breaking NFL news. You ready for this? I don't know if you're right. sitting down, but you probably need to be. Oh, boy. <sighs> Doc Hodges has been cut. Oh, no. Oh, oh yes. Not Doc. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> maybe he could be maybe he could be like the Aflac duck on um college football. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> um I thought Marcus Gaskin played really well. Um and I really like that. Just that dual threat they've got, the sort of the kind of with um Saf- uh, Ahmed as well. Um I like uh their sort of Alvin Kamara light, which I kind of like. Um and if Brown could really kind of be that sort of guy who bucks it up in there. Um, I, I think they might have something. I mean, um, 
I know Chris hates Miles Gaskin, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna bat for this kid. I liked him last year. Nothing I've seen. He's tough. He, you know, he put his head down and run through people, run at people, run over people. He gets yards. He's got great hands out the backfield. You kind of need this guy. It's kind of the modern NFL. Um, you know, we'd all prefer to have a, you know, Najee Harris or a the real Alvin Kamara or whatever, but that ain't going to happen this season. So you kind of got to deal with the hand you've been dealt. And I quite like Miles Gaskin's hand, I've got to say. That sounds rude and slightly perverted, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, as far as the, the wide receivers, and I'll get Chris in here in a second, uh, the wide receivers, Kirk Merritt was on fire last week against the Falcons during the, the joint practices. Had a great game on Saturday. Those th- That decision on on those wide receivers, it's going to be really, really tough. I guess Isaiah Ford with his injury is on the way out now, but Jakeem Grant, 11 snaps. Ominous or or nothing to worry about for him, Simon? It's interesting because uh, Barry Jackson has said earlier this evening, uh, he had one of his articles, and um, he said that pretty much, I'm just trying to find it actually now, he said that there were four guys who were in absolute locks to make the team, which were um, uh, Fuller, uh, Parker, um, Albert Wilson. And Waddle. And Waddle. So he says at least 13 receivers on the roster could make a case to be on a 53-man roster. Devontae Parker goes through them all. He says the first four of that group, who are Parker, Fuller, Waddle, Wilson, assuredly will be on this team. And Mac Hollins and Preston Williams appear likely to stick. Merritt and Foster have had good uh, camps, but the numbers obviously work against them. Hmm. But then, you know, what happens to Grant, Bowden, Foster, Merritt, Ford, Perry? Obviously, Alan Hearns doesn't look like he's going to stick, but, you know, I still don't think Preston Williams is going to make this team. <laughs> yeah, I wonder, I wonder what they can get for him at this point, right? You know, although he did, he did suit up this past week so who knows maybe he practices this week and reminds the coaches why they should keep him you know yeah but man it's a good group this is a really good wide receiver group what is it though i mean let's be realistic is it a good receiver group yes yes is it yeah you have the sixth overall pick Devontae parker was a pro bowl injured ago but yeah but he's he's fine he's he's not i I would say he's more of on a maintenance program than injured because he's doing everything except actually, you know, hitting people or getting hit. Will Fuller hasn't worked out for four weeks. Preston uh, Williams is just Well, he's riding path. a bicycle. He's riding his bicycle across across the state of Florida. Jakeem Grant, you know, he's got no hands, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I like this group. I really do like this group. I think this, this is a loaded group. I think whoever they cut will be on other rosters in the NFL. And you could hold me to it. We'll, 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 we'll see next on the 31st. They're cutting down question, from then. 80 to 53. Here's a question then. Who are they going to trade? I mean, what are they going to get for a Jakeem Grant? A sixth, maybe? Yeah, yeah they're just going to have to fire sale some of these guys. What about Lynn Bowden? You know, huh. who's going to trade for a guy that they only traded for a year ago and they're going to be getting rid of? He's already had two teams and he only got drafted a year ago. I mean, what does that tell you? Yeah. No, you know, it's, so it's I, I, I do, you know... We'll see. Chris is complaining because you didn't ask him about running backs. And I know it's because he hates Miles Gaskin, but <laughs> go on, mate. Go on, mate. We'll right, let Chris, you go. go on. Your thoughts on all the skilled guys, including the wide receivers, and how tough that decision is going to be, too, on the 31st. 
Well, I, I just noticed that you skipped over the running backs on me for uh, over me on running backs two weeks in a row. So I'm 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 starting to think that maybe you just don't want me commenting on Miles Gaskin. <laughs> you thought I think you might just, blow a Gaskin. Uh, okay, I think he's just like if you were to doing the Madden thing or doing one of those um those those spider web graphs or whatever, he'd just be like average in every single area of the of measurement. Like that's, that's kind of how I view Miles Gaskin to be. And, um, and I think that, you know, he, he looks good, like one out of three games or something like that, but it, it's gotta be better than that. Right. It's gotta be more than that. Um, and well, that's, that's what they that's got Savon Aquin for. So he can look good in the other two, right? Yeah. But what if they're, what if they're looking good in the same game and then they're both looking bad in the same game? <laughs> that's know? a problem. I mean, which has happened a lot, you know? And, and so I, I think it's just, it's, he's got to do the things that he does that make us intrigued with him. He's just got to do them more often. He's got to break tackles more often. He's not particularly, uh, well ranked in the league, you know, in terms of forcing missed miss tackles or breaking tackles, he's got to get more yards after contact. He's not particularly well stacked in the league for yards after contact he's got you know he's got to bust more bi- bigger plays he's just like average like extremely average in every single respect including as a pass catcher where it's like hey you get intrigued by him he, he goes out and catches passes really well but it's like but yeah Savan Achman's the guy that we really want catching our passes for obvious reasons he's, he's fast and he's making the big plays and he's he's the one schooling people and and practices and and making the big plays during the uh during the preseason games so it's just like it's if, if you're always going to find so you're always going to find in a power situation, you want a power situation. Who do you want out there? Do you want Miles Gaskin out there? Or do you want Malcolm Brown out there? Malcolm mm-hmm. Brown in a, in a pass catching situation. Who do you want out there? Do you want Miles Gaskin out there? Or do you want Savan Ackman out there? Savan Ackman, you know, there's, there's like every facet, there's always going to be somebody that you'd rather have out there, but, and I give them a lot of credit for being very well-rounded, but it's, it, unless he goes, if he goes out there and I would love him to go out there and prove, prove it all wrong this year and just, do everything that he's been doing except more often that would be awesome um but until we actually see him do that then you're, you're going to keep trying to upgrade the position and that's and that was one position that i think we were all begging for them to upgrade this offseason they did not now the wide receiver position again you know the the depth is being proven you know we've we've been without will fuller uh, both preseason games, all of training camp. We've been without Devontae Parker for most of training camp and both preseason games. Uh, hasn't seemed to matter. The passing game looked potent. Uh, the skill positions are getting open. They're making plays. Mike Gesicki looks elite out there. I mean, I use that word advisedly uh, when we were in OnlyFans chat together. Um, you know, he's he's the guy that you look at out there in these preseason games and you're like, well, that guy looks like he's in a different weight class. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that's a good thing. So, um, so I think that, you know, that's, they're going to lean on him a lot, especially with the setup that they have with the speed with Jalen Waddle on the inside in the slot and Will Fuller on the outside who gets replaced by Jakeem Grant, who can run those same routes because he's, you know, he's just as fast. Um, so I, I think that, and Ma- and obviously Matt Collins kind of is, is like an analog for Devonte Parker too. Um, so I, I think they've got the depth at the wide receiver position. I think they're genuinely good on paper. If the player of the players are actually playing, you know, Will Fuller is actually playing Devonte Parker is actually playing. Um, if Preston Williams is available, uh, then, then they've got great depth. They've got, you know, I think Jakeem Grant does make it unless he's, unless there's a trade. Um, I think that even though the snap count was low, I pay attention to where they are on the snap count and he's high or where they are on the rotation. 
and he's high on the rotation. Um, when they start getting kind of lower on the rotation, that's where you, where you really start to get worried, but he is in prime territory to be traded too. So, um, so maybe, maybe we see a trade. I think teams could trade for Preston Williams. I think he started, he started, uh, like I think 16 games, like 14 of the 16 games or something like that, that he was available for in his first two years in leagues that, that catches attention, you know? Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, there could be some trades there. It'd be somebody after Preston Williams, maybe somebody after Jakeem Grant, um, somebody like that. I think that Malcolm Perry, unfortunately, we were all thinking that he was going to make the team. And I think now after we've seen a little bit, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning toward, no, that's not the case. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of where it stacks right now. I don't think that Kirk Merritt is all of a sudden going to, I think that they're going to make liberal use of the practice squad and, and some of these guys will be on it, but, um, but yeah, that's right. All right. Moving on to the defense. Um, we don't have much time here, but I guess we could be brief uh, Two guys really, because, you know, I hate to say this Atlanta rolled out. That was, that was not, that was not an NFL offense that they rolled out there on Saturday. Okay, and the defense did its job. You know, they didn't allow anything until you know in the third quarter when Felipe Franks decided to start running all over the place. But thoughts on two players? Uh, we finally got to see Jalen Phillips play a little bit, and Sam Agubon. I think Sam Agubon made the team. Simon, thoughts? Yeah. Both guys. <laughs> to be honest, I didn't. I I didn't see Jalen Phillips at all. I mean, I had the game on and was watching fairly intently at points, but I was also working, so I didn't see him. So you probably have to ask Chris on that one. I did. See- I did see Egwavard, who I absolutely ruined uh, pre about six weeks ago. We talked about who would make the team, and I said he had absolutely no chance. And yeah, what, what I thought was really funny was that Jason Taylor was commenting on the game, commentating on the game, and I think Jason Taylor made an admission that he'd never had three sacks in a game or four sacks. Maybe it might be four sacks in a game. Yeah, yeah, um, but. I mean, it was, and also I was writing in OnlyFins, like, I think Sam Eguan's made the team. He's just had two sacks. And then it was like three sacks, I message. And then about 30 seconds later, it was like four sacks and, and a safety. safety. <laughs> it's just like, Jesus Christ, what's he doing? But actually, he looks really, really interesting as a kind of a, as a pass rush threat. And you know, the way he blasted through, there was a couple of those sacks. You know, he wasn't just running free to the quarterback. He was absolutely physically you know, he looked like a Landon Roberts taking on running backs in the running game the way he was just attacking those linemen and getting through to Felipe Franks I thought he was uh, <laughs> he was brilliant I mean there's no way he doesn't make the team now zero percent chance he doesn't make the team Good, look hats off to him you know that's um you want to make the team have four sacks in the safety <laughs> Yeah, and about eleven tackles or so, yeah. something like that. And he had eleven. He had a, he broke, those he tackles were key pass. tackles. Yeah, he had eleven tackles, four sacks, one tackle for a loss, and a safety. I mean, <laughs> and a PBU. <laughs> yourself a night, dude. Yeah. If one game ever made like ever made a guy on his roster spot, <laughs> one preseason game, I think that yeah. did it. Like he's he's in now. You know what it reminded me of is actually since Jason Taylor was doing the commenting, you remember back in, I don't know who remembers back in the, I think it was Derek Rogers linebacker that um, he came in, he came in with Jason Taylor, if I, as I recall. Yeah, did, yeah. Um, and, and his first, like his first year with the dolphins, 
Um, I recall like he was actually, he was actually used some as a pass rusher and, and like, you know, he, he did well with it back then. And, um, and I, it sort of reminded me of that a little bit, like, uh, like, you know, he's being used as a pass rusher all of a sudden and it's looking good. And we're, we've always thought of him as more of a coverage guy. And, and it's like, well, evidently not, uh, because Jesus. Um, so yeah, he, he made, he made the team definitely. And, and power to him i you know i don't i want to know what he was on that night because <laughs> jesus um yeah he, him and i did know i did take a look at jalen phillips and the reason you didn't really notice him is because in the passing game um you know just just with the the responsibilities that he had it just it just wasn't going to be his night um with with the passing game and in terms of pass rush and um and i think i heard something you know about them trying to tell him to stay patient you know and and keep working at but he was good against the run he generally did his job guy that actually you know stood out on the defensive line to me i mean we have good defensive linemen all the way around so that's that but um but emmanuel agba sort of in the way that mike gesticki looks like he's punching in a different weight class in those preseason games on the offensive side, you get this feeling sometimes, not maybe maybe not necessarily every snap, but sometimes Emmanuel Agba is just punching in a different weight class um, as a defensive end pass rusher in this defense. And I just get the feeling when I watch him that come next year, you know, after this year, we're, we're going to be looking at that contract situation going like, what do we do there? Because, you know, the contract it'll take to get them long-term will probably be, massive absolutely massive and so are we talking about a franchise tag what are we talking about um so that's going to be an interesting uh story to watch this season emmanuel agua because it's often it's often the guys that um are already on the roster that step up to a new level who give you the best you know the best incremental um you know the incremental uh, difference from year to year uh, whereas we we always get you know we always get obsessed about the newcomers about the new jalen phillips uh, or the jalen waddle or you know somebody like that but it's often somebody that's already there and just like steps from that you know pretty good to like great you know something like that those guys mm-hmm. have the biggest difference on your season so i wonder about emmanuel agua that way but defense looked good i don't know what you thought but um just all the way around just I thought they're a strong defense. The secondary continues to look good, which again, it's like, remember, remember all we could talk about in camp or uh, mm-hmm. not we, but like a lot of people, this, oh, this offense is like bombs all over this defensive secondary. <laughs> they, you know, they, this is really concerning. This sucks. Well, we've gone through two preseason games. This secondary looked pretty goddamn good um, <laughs> yes. against those two opponents. So, you know, what was happening there? Uh, that's, that, that's what I, one of the things I think. Yeah, uh, and to touch on the secondary briefly, Nick Needham looks so good that maybe Byron Jones in the slot is what we what we end up doing, right? And Nick Needham stays on the outside because he's been so good at boundary corner all camp. Yeah, it's really tough, isn't it? I mean, yeah, what do you do there? But but Byron has Byron even like cross trained there here at all, which is weird because some of his best tape. And his career was against Michael Thomas in the slot where they tried to hide. They tried to, they tried to move Michael Thomas away from him and Byron Jones followed him into the slot. And this is, and when I say Michael Thomas, I'm singling out Michael Thomas because that was a year where he was getting 15 targets a game and catching about Mm -hmm. 11 passes a game. He ended up catching one pass on like six targets. (laughs) Okay. Which tells you all you need to know with Drew Brees, at quarterback in the height of, 
you know, the Saints offense when they were averaging 34, 35 points a game that, that season. Remember? That was when they yeah. won 13 games. Oh, yeah, I remember. And they lost to Minnesota in the second round. Yeah, so that that's that's Byron Jones. That, that was his calling card. I think that's where he kind of earned the big bucks is, hey, I play everywhere. And I can shut guys down from everywhere. Maybe that's his future. You know, and because they got to find a place for Nick Needham. And, you He's know, Nick, so Needham well. is, Nick Needham is really making the Noah Igbenogany, I'm not going to call it a failure, but disappointment. Well, it, it seems unnecessary now. And, and yeah. sometimes that happens, right? I mean, that's that's okay. I mean, it's sort of like, uh, you know, when, when Drew Brees finally went off in, um, in San Diego after they had drafted um, Phil Rivers, uh, you know, you, you might have thought until Drew Brees, like, totally wrecked his shoulder, mm-hmm. um, you might have thought, well, he just, he just made that, that Phil Rivers pick look um, – maybe not dumb, but unnecessary. Like Phil Rivers, a good quarterback. Like maybe Noah Igbenogany could end up being, I've certainly not seen a, a damn thing to look at in these two preseason games to say, oh, you know, Noah, he's, he's giving it up again, or, you know, he's, he's not doing well. I mean, he's looked, he's looked fine in this preseason mm-hmm. game. It's awesome. Um, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes another guy rises up, but, and Nick Needham is playing really high-level football right now. So I, I don't know I don't know what they, they do there. I, I appreciate the depth. I know I think we all will mm. uh, different times in the season, but um, that's gonna be that's gonna be hard. Yeah, and as far as Jalen Phillips, I agree with you. It was just bad luck. It was bad luck. Like you were expecting, yeah. and when I, as I was watching the game, and I was actually drafting my fantasy team at the time. And yes, listeners, guess who took Tua Tungavailoa to be his starting quarterback in the tenth round? This guy. I also took Trevor Lawrence in the twelfth round as my backup, so so that tells you you know what I need to know. I think I'm I'm happy with with my draft, okay. But I will say this: Jalen Phillips was just unlucky. Like you expected, I wanted to see Felipe Franks, you know, in desperate mode, desperation mode to get back into the game. But after a while, it kind of looked like Atlanta was like, you know what, let's get the hell out of here. Let's just run the ball, you know, and let's just yeah. you know. Let's not give them anything to to work on. We do play them again, so maybe they were being a little bit judicious about that. But Jalen Phillips, you know, he looked fine. Like you know, we didn't get to see him how we wanted to see him. But maybe we do against Cincinnati. You know, I'd love to see see him go long against Cincinnati. I would sit a whole host of people uh, against Cincinnati. I, I think it's. Would think you sit to him? Yeah, I, I've seen enough. There's not enough. There's, what if what if what if Will Fuller and Devontae Parker are finally ready for action? Would hmm. you sit two of them? Uh, one series, one series, just to see how it looks like. But nah, I, I actually would be tempted. I actually would be tempted to say, you know what? To hell with this. We're done. Like, let's, like get, our, let's get our, tempted to just let let it all sit. Like all everybody sit. Yeah, everybody sit except the rookies. Like you know, the rookies yeah. rookies got to play. Like. uh Waddle, I tell Waddle, like, look, you're going to play a half because, you know, we got to, you know, you got to learn the playbook. You know, you get to see more and you're going to learn more by actually playing. Jalen Phillips, you're playing into the third quarter, you know. Javon Holland, you're playing the whole game because you play free safety. Okay, you play safety. You can play 60 snaps. You know, that's what I would do. You know, I, I would. And, you know, Liam Eikenberg. Yeah, absolutely. Liam Eikenberg would start the game and go mm-hmm. into the third quarter if I'm in charge. Larnell Coleman would be my starting left tackle. In that game, you know, Squirrel will play the entire game. (laughs) 
Okay. What do you do at left guard though? The whole Solomon Kinley situation and and I mean, does Liam Eichenberg do well? We don't we don't really know what they're thinking. Is Liam going to move back to left guard and try and Robert win that Jones, job over? I play I play Robert Jones the entire game and then uh, at right guard, at right guard and then at left guard. I don't know. Ellie Minor maybe can play there. Uh, I think I think he and uh, he and Illuminor, sorry, and um, and Derval, Keros uh, Neto, um, mm-hmm. would be a good look. Like rotating them at left guard, uh, you know, give one a half, the other a half, because I think uh, I think Neto or Keros, whichever he uh, goes by, um, his jersey says Keros, but um, I think he looked really good in his time in. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was, it was one of the first times that we've seen him actually out there. And it was, I thought it was really compelling. Uh, he, he just looks like such a, such a gifted mauler. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I would, I would want to see him for like a full half and, and get a calves, good look. His calves look ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just unbelievable. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, a, I, and if Will Fuller and Devonte Parker are like ready to go and Preston Williams is ready to go, then I'd be tempted to get, Tua out there for a couple of, of drives because you know you can't reproduce game speed and I want to see I want to see them be able, I don't need to see Tua throw more passes to Mac Hollins or you know Jakeem Grant or even Mike Gesicki you know I, I don't need to see that I don't even need yeah. to see him do throw more passes to Jalen Waddle um, but I would like to see him throw some passes to to Will Fuller Devontae Parker and Preston Williams so if those if those guys are available, um, then I would think about it. But it, but the chances are very low that they're actually going to be available. Uh, and, and if they even if they are, they're so injury prone, they probably just won't want to put them out there and risk them anyway. Um, so you know you're probably going to get everybody to sit. And, I, and then I'm with you. Then I'm having like Larnell Coleman jump out there. You know Jermaine Illuminor is out there. Um, Michael Dieter, Mascara, well, you know, maybe Mascara. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because Michael Dieter's had most of the chance. Um, and then, like you said, Robert Jones, the right guard, and then a right tackle. I mean, Liam Eikenberg, basically, I'd have him out there the whole, the whole game. Um, and, and just see, just see, what, well, and Greg Little's got to play at some point, but he, he'll play in place of uh, Lauren L. Coleman uh, in the set, you know, in the second half, something like that. Yeah, um, that would be that would be interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely think some stars. I wouldn't even put Jalen Waddle out there. To be honest, I don't. Mm-hmm. He, he may be a rookie, but I don't need to see more. Yeah, like, just, just unpack, just unpackage him in the regular season because you know, you know what he's giving. Him. Yeah, and they can always, you know, they can always get their timing by you know practicing after this Sunday. So, anyway. That's it. There is no more. The next time we talk to you will be Wednesday. We'll, we will look forward to cut down day, which is August 31st, 1st, which is at 4 p.m. That's a Tuesday. That's going to be really interesting in one sense. They're going to cut down from 80 to 53. So it's going to feel like a bloodletting. All right. So that's going to be fun. And I guess we'll look forward to that Bengals game a little bit. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.